0: It's the Sportszilla Show. I'm doing something positive to try and help. People really need this right now. Check out the James Mitsubishi Sportszilla Show podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ESPN Syracuse, at ESPNUR and at ESPN Sportszilla.
1: These are unprecedented times.
0: The Sportszilla Show from 2 to 4 with Rain and Matt on ESPN Radio and twitch.tv/slash Q Sports Talk. This is the game plan, but some, some people say it's. It's the Crap Every Everybody's all moving stuff
2: around in yes. here. Everybody would be actually me and Matt. Matt Page, the glue guy. Rain Man, SportsZilla Show, Tuesday edition. Sweet 16, it's uh, locked in now. How you feeling?
3: Uh, fantastic. I didn't think we would even get
2: here, but here we are. I think a lot of people maybe didn't if they're honest, but we're certainly going to take it. We got a bag alert, a major bag alert, how sweet it is to be in the Sweet 16 Sharpie used to be a thing. You, you know what I mean? Like you'd move on and it'd be like Sharpie, you know, write it in Sharpie. In other words, you know, to put it in pencil because you have to erase it. You put it in pencil, but once you win, Sharpie. That's I haven't seen that at all. Um, I have no clue what you're talking about. It was a couple years ago. Twitch has got to know what I'm talking about. I can't be the only one. Q Sports Talk on Twitch.tv. Q's is in the Sweet 16, Sweet 16 Sharpie. Okay. Right? Yeah, sure. Am I, am I wrong? Uh, I guess. You're using that out of context? I don't know. Feels good, doesn't it? It feels fantastic. You know what else feels fantastic? Um, to have Jimmy Fallon's bracket. He's all about the cues. He's, he's been all over him on Twitter. Big fan, you might have noticed. Uh, yeah, huge fan. And hey, his bracket's doing pretty well. All credit goes to Julie Bayheim for the success of buckets of Buddy Bayheim uh, Pretty funny to hear that. I kind of knew he was going to be a little tall, and Buddy's been outstanding. Just He just has playing out of his mind. Yeah, you know, Mike Waters tweeted this the other day, and it caught my attention. In four postseason games between the ACC and the NCAA tournament thus far, Buddy Bayheim is averaging 28.2 points per game. When Jerry McNamara, who, by the way, GMAC and Devo are getting a lot of the credit for the success in doing work with Buddy, but when Jerry McNamara went on that four-game run through the 2006 Big East tournament, you may recall the quotes from Jim. Yes. Uh, they were fantastic. And still referenced to this day, he averaged sixteen point two per game. If that doesn't give you a perspective, and it's not just listen, the whole team needs to contribute to win. But if that doesn't give you a perspective on what Buddy Buckets Bayheim is doing right now, I don't, I don't know what else will. Good question. I'm not sure. Thank, thank sorry, you. For-
3: sorry, sorry. Uh, people were saying that we're not on. Uh- ESPN Radio Syracuse right now, so I'm just trying to figure out why that is.
2: Oh, you're figuring that out. I thought you were reading the comments on Twitch and not listening to me as usual, but that's Uh, okay.
3: Yeah, it's kind of an issue.
2: While you do that, as we get rolling here on the Sportsilla Show on ESPN Radio, uh, it gives me a chance, if you're not really paying attention to me, to brag a little bit about where I stand on the bracket challenge that we have at ESPN Syracuse. All I know is uh, my bracket is better than X. That was my goal. Even Pauly Sebelia had liked it when I tweeted about that. Uh, but, no, it's been a lot of fun. There's quite a few of you in there. Uh, I shot up to 15 when the Sweet 16— Are you
3: really bragging about your bracket right now?
2: —was finished. I'm not really bragging. I'm just pointing out that I- I'm um, I'm ranked above you. I'm ranked above Brent uh, and everybody else on ESPN Radio here in Central New York. Me, this guy, this guy. However, CBW, uh, one of our regular contributors in the chat at Q Sports Talk, is— Actually, he's beating me. Dude is solid. His picks are solid.
3: Well, that's because he gives you advice that you try to take. That. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All credit goes to CBW for this guy's success. But, uh, but
3: I can't believe that you're bragging about Dude, that. Dude,
2: come on, you would be too. Because no, you,
3: it's a bracket. It doesn't matter. Because you're you're like sixty something, man. Okay, and it's just like winning in preseason. It doesn't matter. How is where's? Is, I didn't check where our
2: collective bracket is. I think that, it's that probably garbage. That's an abomination as well. Yeah. So it feels good. It, it really does to be in here. Uh, I can't. Uh,
3: apparently we're fixed now, so I think we're okay.
2: I can't actually win this. Neither can you. None of us that work here for ESPN Radio can.
3: Well, how do they know that I didn't create like an alias?
2: You got a burner bracket. Uh, you'd be bragging on that one. See, you just contradicted yourself. You're full No, of it. I wouldn't. Uh, if you win... I the, would just take the tickets. If you win the bracket, you get a pair of tickets to SU's first game in the Dome with fans. So that's a nice prize. Worst bracket gets the my buddy doll.
3: If we somehow get the worst bracket, can we put it in the studio? Uh yeah, I suppose that's or are possible. Are we still not eligible for that one? Suppose
2: that's possible. Um we gotta work that out. We can negotiate that. We could order our own, I suppose. Okay. We'll add that to the Justin Bieber in the back. I just, I just
3: need Polly to text his uh, digits, that's all.
2: I just know that we were gonna go heavy on obviously the Sweet Sixteen. Quite a few conversations on SU men's basketball. But the uh,
3: CBW has to correct you too, by the way. What did I say? It's a my buddy doll, not the my buddy doll.
2: It, that, that's true. It It is a my buddy doll. You won't, the actual my not buddy, the magical one that you see in the studio will remain. A, a second my buddy doll has been ordered for the worst bracket. It's important, man. It is, dude. Do, do we debate semantics or what? Yes. We sure do, but CBD, uh. Excuse me, CBW. You are absolutely one hundred percent right on that.
3: And I feel like Paulie put out a great stat about that. Are, is the team three and one or four and one since the My Buddy Doll has arrived? I believe it is three and one. I, I thought it might have been four and one. Good question. I'm not sure. Can we get but Buddy's averaging almost thirty points a game? Can we get the standings
2: right behind the My Buddy Doll? That'd be perfect because that will unnerve Brent after four o'clock even more than the fact that the My Buddy Doll is right over his shoulder. Let's talk about the ladies, though. The women's team, their chance at 9 o'clock tonight against UConn to move on to the Sweet 16. Not a lot of schools have their men's and their women's team in the Sweet 16. We feel good about that. I, I hope, because we're going to be joined by Mike Curtis from Syracuse.com tomorrow and have a conversation on on both teams. Okay.
3: I hope we're talking about a win, right? Same, same. I can't wait. So, it was kind of fun over the weekend trying to have two different screens going have the men's on one, women's on the other. It was fun.
2: Listen, there, it's the same thing with the women's team. You need all of the ladies to contribute. But, of course, Tiana, at the point, is the leader. A tough task against UConn. I believe in her. I think she can get it done. And we're keeping our fingers crossed. What
3: a way to leave the program if it's with a championship.
2: Sure. Or just, you know what? At the end of the day, a nice run into this tournament. Mm-mm, of course, Of course you want to win it all. Both teams. Imagine yes. that. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Uh,
3: Syracuse would uh, not stop partying. Yeah, we wouldn't.
2: Um, we wouldn't. Nobody would worry about it. Uh, win masks. Can we still do masks?
3: As long as you're vaccinated, sure. I,
2: I think we still need to incorporate the masks there, and it is awesome that a lot of people are getting vaccinated. I, I love to see that these numbers, these massive numbers of people getting shots every day. So, hey, eventually we can get you to a game with tickets. Yeah, the first SU basketball game in the Dome with fans if you win the bracket. I'm up at the top, though. It sucks I can't win that. It Um, bums me out. You wouldn't win the whole thing anyways. There's probably some avenues that I could get into a game. Uh, Listen, on the way, Spencer Davidson with Oddsmakers at 2.15 today on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. Mike McAllister joins us at 2.30 for our Masters of the Obvious segment. We want to talk to him about practice Obviously, we're going to highlight, you know, Braswell over Alan Griffin for defense. But we do need his offense at some point. A great point by Stephen Fonte and Devo a little bit earlier. You're going to need him. Devo was really harping on that. Listen, at some point, you've seen him go off. And we know what Alan Griffin can do. The good Alan Griffin. We're going to need that at some point if we want to continue on this run. This unexpected run for Syracuse men's basketball. Did you say practice? uh, Yeah, unfortunately, I said practice. I'm
0: supposed to be the franchise
4: player, and we're in here talking about practice.
2: I think that with not the COVID pauses that we dealt with, but with the pause, you know, to get ready for the ACC tournament, and then in turn another week or so before we get into the tournament. Yep. The chance to really practice has helped. Not only it brings me to big shot Bob Braswell, who has been in for defensive reasons over Allen. These are all things I want to talk about with Mike McAllister. But but Buddy and the work with Devo and GMAC and JG3 in his first half and his overall better play all around that we've seen in the last handful of games. Uh, Marek playing with those four fouls. Marek just doing what Marek does, being arguably the MVP of this team. And I think that you can read between the lines with Jim's statements, his his press conferences, when he talks about Marek, the reverence that he has for him and what he brings to this team. Listen, Buddy's doing great things, but the intangibles, the little things that Marek does. But
3: Buddy isn't
2: Buddy without Marek. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and I would guarantee you that with knowing how and listening to Buddy talk, Buddy would say the same thing. Agreed. He would defer yeah. to his teammates. He would not take credit. At all. Uh, Of course, Marek played with those four fouls. Uh, Jesse Edwards got some stitches, but his minutes helped the team a little bit. The zone in general, we all talk about it. and it
3: confuses everyone.
2: We talk about it in the tournament. We talk about it in March. That's where you try to get to, and then the nation hates on Syracuse
3: in the zone. And we kind of like that, don't we? Well, it's funny because obviously the ACC is now used to it. Back then it was the Big East who was always used to it. And whenever Syracuse would make a run, it's because they would confuse teams with the zone. They don't usually face it. San Diego State, they looked very confused. What was that, Friday night? Yeah, you're
2: absolutely right. We have conversation starters out there about Syracuse men's basketball. Uh, That's one we'll have with Mike McAllister at 2.30. We got a year, Killing Me Smalls segment. It's a guy that's a quarterback that suddenly I don't want him on my team. And at one point I was arguing that I would love if my team traded for him ay yeah yeah. Geez, what changes in a few weeks, huh? Unbelievable. But off-the-field stuff matters. It just really does. And what's going on with this particular guy.
3: And Joe Judge wouldn't want him there.
2: Yeah, no. They, you, you don't want that kind of character or issue on your team at all. Sound check at 3 o'clock. We'll have Jackson and James Bayheim join us. We've got some audio from when Jim was on with Greeny, Buddy was on with Freddie and Fitz, and we'll bring back some postgame after West Virginia to remind you, and just get that feeling, you know, keep that energy where it was. Just remember, remember those f- first few minutes after your team that you're invested in wins a big game like that. Look, okay, you know, you're sitting there, and whether it's your living room, you're hyped, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm amped up and full of, and imp- also even more coffee than usual. I wasn't the only Par one for the course because Cuse is getting these late starts, but there's a reason. Ratings, whether you like it or not, Syracuse makes casual college basketball fans pay attention more. So listen, in general, if you say Syracuse basketball or you say Loyola Chicago. Yeah. You know, who's more popular with that program, sister Jean than the actual players. That's correct. But with Syracuse, it's the polarizing nationally polarizing Jim Boeheim. Everybody's got feelings on Jim Boeheim. So that's why they get these primetime late night starts featured on Fridays and Saturdays. It's actually a compliment to what the program means in college basketball Nationally, Jason Fitz is normally with us at three fifteen on Tuesdays. That will continue today. We got a "Don't dwell on it, worth a mention" segment at three thirty, and that brings us to the last thing that we'll say today. And by then, it'll be four o'clock, and he will be on the block with Brent X. Let's go. with does it matter on ESPN Radio and the Sports Show? We're going to wrap up segment. A quick num- version, yeah, uh, yeah. We're going to wrap up segment number one with a few questions from Matt to me.
0: Does it matter? It's the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt on ESPN Radio and twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Does it matter?
3: Does it matter that Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson signed with the New York Giants? The number comps for Galladay, if he's healthy, I'm not saying he's
2: better than Megatron, but if you also go and just watch some video and some highlights, and if you're a, if you're a Giants fan and you're not happy with that move. I'm not quite sure exactly what you're looking for. I love the move, and Adoree Jackson, I mean, come on. Well, the, I, their secondary is is scary it's stacked. good right now. It's stacked. It, it is stacked right now. So a couple of great moves. I like everything that the Giants have done. I've got to be honest, what your Patriots have done has been stealth. The way they've structured contracts for
3: cap-related issues has been smooth. But I've seen a lot of people hate on the Kenny Galladay move. And I don't quite understand. Obviously, he's got quite a few red flags, but you guys needed a number one wide receiver, and he went out and got one. If he's healthy, he is exactly and he's worlds better than Golden Tate ever thought of being.
2: Yeah. Um. You want another one? What? That that okay, is DJ Khaled. Take it easy. That is in my head. It's it, that's constant. It's constant. If it's important, we need to have one of those. It's like a like an alarm going off, yes. except it's not. It's a major bag alert. Um, it seems like everybody in the NBA is getting hurt. Do you have a quick list of some of these names? I mean, a few of them were season-ending to begin with, like Clay
3: Thompson, but just rattle those off. So Steph Curry, LeBron, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Lamelo, and now obviously Clay Thompson.
2: So these guys are all hurt, except for it's family issues for Kyrie once again. A yes, a so family
3: matter. Just so happens to be his birthday, right? Today is his birthday. Yes, and he's so off. the man's taking some PTO time to enjoy his birthday. How do you respect that guy in the locker room? And I hope I'm wrong about that, by the way.
2: But the coincidence. Oh, I know. It, I know. It, it, it the appearance. It doesn't. It just. It just doesn't look good. You know what? It's gotten toxic everywhere he's gone. You know, he
3: got there with LeBron, and after that, when he— And then he was mad at LeBron for being the number one player.
2: You know what? Does it matter that Sterling and Kay had reunited for the second time? They brought John Sterling onto TV with Michael uh, Michael Kay deferring and taking on the color commentary duties for the New York Yankees with Major League Baseball a week away. I thought that that was I just, love
3: John Sterling. I, I, he's hilarious on the broadcast. He makes everything interesting, and it was fun to see those two get back together.
2: Does it matter that the Yankees have a fifth starter competition between Devi Garcia and Domingo Herman? You know, I feel
3: like we've been talking about this for a week. So, yeah, I feel like it matters heading into opening day.
2: Personal issues aside, they've both pitched really well. What Very well. A, what a great problem and embarrassment of riches to have for the Yankees. I got a few injury issues. But for the most part, they've got Miguel Andujar and no place to play this guy crazy he's starting pretty much anywhere else it's amazing but I'm happy baseball will be back oddsmakers is next with Spencer Davidson on the SportsZilla show on ESPN radio hey one more thing the sun is
0: shining yet again it's the SportsZilla show with rain and Matt <coughs> get the f- away from me okay this has gone well all right should we take some calls let's take some calls it's time for bi-weekly can't wait with WKTV sports director Spencer Davidson Spencer has
2: FOMO, fear of missing out. We're glued to the phone, right, when we're covering sports, especially in March Madness. Our version of Bad Beats with WKTV Sports Director, we call it Oddsmakers.
3: Well, it's also when things get postponed or moved or changed, you got to be on top of it.
2: And that's a constant still. Uh, see, Utica comment Syracuse Crunch, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, there's a fear of missing out. I have it as well. You said it. You roll over when you get up and you grab the phone. I do the same thing. Uh, after I find my glasses <laughs> half the time I don't know where they are.
3: And yeah, put, I'm usually trying to squint at my phone at that point.
2: I pray I didn't roll over and break them. Did I put them on the bedside table? Did I put them back in their case? Where are the glasses? Are they not broken? Spencer, you don't have that issue. But I actually wanted to start out, what are the odds that you checked out some of the best names in March Madness? Uh, like, for example, Kofi Cockburn on Illinois, a cock, a cock. Uh that's his name on Yukon. A cook. I'm sorry, a cook, a cook. Oh, okay. I I got a pronunciation guide here because I wasn't sure. Uh there is Nishan Bones Highland, Isaiah Bear Chandler on Wichita State, some of these um, I mean Mac McClung. Uh there's some good ones. Jamarco Pickett, uh Josh, uh John Bola Jock with Syracuse, obviously, Blake Seacat with Oklahoma. Those are just to name a few. There are more. Uh, you, you always gotta love that. We we gotta do a bracket every year on the bizarre names within they the tournament. They used to, yeah. And I haven't seen it, but I, I grabbed a few for you. Uh, that's courtesy of Bro Bible. Do you like any of those, Spencer? What are the odds you love them?
4: Oh, I love them. I was gonna say we gotta have a gotta bring back the brackets for names. Uh, but I gotta say, you know, look, he's, he's been in you know pretty much all year. But you can't sleep on Barana Sadibe. I mean, that just rolls off the tongue so well. So uh, you know, I mean that that one. To me, you know, is still still one one of the best. Um, but yeah, there was a couple. I, I think a couple on uh, like Florida State. There was a couple more on some other ACC teams throughout the year that I saw that were that were really enjoyable. So um, yeah, I mean, that's that's always another fun part of it too.
3: Champagne was a great one. Champagne was a
4: great one too. I heard yes. v- various.
2: Yep. G- Gurea was, uh was <laughs> yes. uh, Andy Katz's pronunciation of Quincy Guerrier the Garrier. other day. Gurrier, or some people call him that, too. Gurrier. It, it is Gary a. Yeah. We have learned that.
3: But what, John Jock just rolls right off the tongue as well.
2: That one rolls, yeah, too.
4: Yeah, John Jock is great.
2: Spencer, what are the odds that Syracuse women's basketball team beats UConn, led by Tiana Mangakaya, at 9 o'clock tonight, and they also move on to the Sweet 16?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to, to beat UConn. Uh, I mean, if you're asking me to, to place a bet and wager my life savings on it, I mean, I'm going to put it at you know, 35, 40%. However, however, I I really do think that, you know, this this Syracuse women's team, um, you know, is poised for, for, for big things. I I happen to think that we're going to see Tiana with just an absolute monster night. I think we're going to see her with you know step up big time. You know this is her her moment to shine. Um and and I do think that you know that you know led by her they could give UConn a run for their money. I mean they don't have they don't have Gino on the sidelines, but you know obviously the Huskies you know just the the tops of the tops in, in women's basketball. So it's going to be tough, but um, I think if Tiana can you know ball out. Um, you know, Engstler stepped up last game. I think if she can continue to do so, um, you know, obviously that bodes well for the Orange. And, you know, you need Stroman to hit a few big threes, which she kind of did down the stretch in the ACC. So, um, I, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm going to have my fingers crossed throughout it. Uh, but, you know, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll have to see what happens. It would be a heck of a win, though, if they're able to pull this off.
3: What are the odds that Syracuse is the most dangerous double-digit seed in NCAA tournament history?
4: Absolutely. I mean, look, I, I've been saying since since the the game on Sunday night. You, you can never ever say that Syracuse is not a tournament team anymore. I don't care what their resume for a given year is, or you say, oh, they don't belong. They don't belong. I mean, they prove it time and time again. Twenty sixteen. Oh, you know, they didn't. They didn't belong. Oh, they made the Final Four. In 2018, uh, they, they didn't belong. They're, they're the last team in. They make the Sweet 16. This year, uh, you know, they should be, if anything, a, a play-in team, and you know, or, or they, sh- you know, they're they're the first team out. Well, here they are in the Sweet 16. You know, Syracuse always shows up to play at the most important times of the year, um, and you know, they're they're just they're they're super hot right now. This is they're peaking at the absolute right time. Um, you know, Beheim just continues to show, you know, late game uh, you know, time manager or game manager, I should say, you know, just what a legend he is. You know, this is you, you, it doesn't matter what seed Syracuse is anymore. You know, they're they're going to make it interesting. So I, I don't think you can ever say that Syracuse is not a tournament team because you put them in there, they're going to make noise.
2: Syracuse is 8-2, eight an 800 winning percentage. is a double-digit seed, tied for the best winning percentage by any team in NCAA tournament history. A minimum of two games. Loyola Chicago, with Sister Jean, 4-1, with an 800 winning percentage. There are four schools tied at 667. We have the bigger sample size. Also, seed total in the Sweet 16 is 94. It's the highest for any Sweet 16 in NCAA tournament history. The previous high was 89 in 1986. Spencer Davidson's with us wow. playing odds makers on ESPN Radio on the Sports Illa show.
3: What are the odds that the Zone confuses every team outside the ACC?
4: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. 100%. I mean, you know, and even and even uh Jim Beheim has has addressed that. Uh the fact that, you know, these teams that that don't see him night in and night out, you know, it's it's totally new to them and the, and the way it runs. Um, you know, the ACC teams have a little bit better idea about how to, you know, get through that, but um it's just, yeah, you get to this time of the year, and teams that don't know Syracuse and haven't played Syracuse as often, you know, it's one thing to try to watch it on game film, and it's another thing to try to break through it in the game, and um, it's been effective for the Orange. Um, I think obviously their defense has been the best it's been all year. That's that's kind of been you know gradually getting better. I would say since the last like four, three or three, three or four games of the regular season and into the ACC tournament, um, but at the same time. You know their offense has been just lights out. I mean, the way that Buddy Beheim is shooting the ball, um, it's it's just this is exactly you know what this team needed. And uh, so you know, I just think right now they're getting it done on both ends of the floor, and um, you know they they can continue to to confuse people. Uh, you know as they hopefully continue to make this run here.
2: Spencer, we got about two minutes left. We want to jam through a couple of things for you really quick. Giants. Let's move to the NFL. Made some money moves in free agency, specifically with Galladay and Adoree Jackson. Yes, no odds on that. Good, bad. What do you think?
4: Yeah, good. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, uh, things on paper, you know, they have to play out on the field. But, uh, you know, I like those moves. Um, you know, for, for the Giants, um, you know, they've been pretty, pretty active, um, you know, and the, and the Giants for much of the season was trending, were trending upward. So, you know, I think just adding a few more pieces, getting some more talent around Daniel Jones, um, you know, if he can kind of. Um, limit his, his turnovers and get better with that. You know, I think the Giants are set up pretty well for, for a nice foundation here. So, you know, good moves, but, you know, I'd say obviously 85% at this point because, you know, it, it, it it's what happens on the field that matters, um, and those players have to earn the contracts.
3: New Jets signee Corey Davis expects Sam Darnold to be the starter. What are the odds you agree that becomes true?
4: Yeah, you know, more and more as this, this, this offseason rolls along. I've just kind of felt like you know they maybe they're they're going to try to to build around him. Obviously, with everything going on with the Sean Watson right now, I think you have to pump the brakes on on that, uh, you know, on trying to make a big splash and big trade for him because you know you don't know how this is going to play out. Um, obviously, if if you know these things are are found to be true, um, it's extremely troubling um, and and calls his character into question. But at the same time, you know it, it's difficult because you don't want to right away, um, you know, jump to, to conclusions, but it obviously doesn't look good right now. Uh, so I, I, I think you're starting to see as the offseason rolls, rolls along and, and Darnold is still there, you know, they're going to try to continue building around him. Um, if that's the case, look, I, I've been saying from the beginning, get him some help, get him some better coaching. We'll see what happens. So I think you're starting to see, a, you know, a few more pieces around him. Um, David, you know, Corey being one of them. And, I, you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't mind going into the season with Darnold. Um, I said that from the beginning, as long as he's got the right pieces in place. And I think with Robert Sala coming in and some of the guys that they've been getting, give Darnold a chance to see what he can do. Um, give him a fair shake, because I really don't believe he's had that since his, he's been with the Jets so far.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Spencer, we're going to take a good look at Houston with you. And Saturday night, Sweet 16, matchup for the Cuse when we talk to you again on Thursday. Same time, two fifteen, We always play Oddsmakers with Spencer Davidson from WKTV. We're going to take a quick pause. We're going to take a look at Twitch and see what's up with everybody at Q Sports Talk. Uh, we've got something on the Knicks because we know we got some Knicks fans that are usually kind of hanging out in there. And we'll come back. We'll play Masters of the Obvious with Mike McAllister from Syracuse on SI. Want to talk about practice and obviously continue the conversation on Syracuse, Houston, the Sweet 16, and all next ESPN Radio and the SportsZilla Show.
0: Now, it's the SportsZilla Show. The New England Patriots cheat. Ha, <laughs> told you. <laughs> I love cheating. Whoops. The SportsZilla Show from 2 to 4. With Rain and Matt. If you're ready to talk, I'm ready to listen. On ESPN Radio and twitch.tv slash Talk. Talk.
2: We call this masters of the obvious. It's pretty obvious we're going to talk about Syracuse being in the Sweet 16. Sharpie man, is that still a thing, Mike McAllister uh, from Syracuse on SI? Do people still say that, or is there a new way to cement yourself in this tournament? Because Cuse is there, man. There's only 16 teams left. Surprisingly, I think, if we're honest. Uh, but what do you think?
5: And it's been fun, right? And anytime Syracuse gets in, you, you can't count them out. And a lot of it's matchups, right? Like they didn't have to play a team with, you know, they didn't have a a Luca Garza in their, in their bracket. And, um, you know, honestly the team with that type of a guy was Illinois and they've been knocked out. So that, that obviously helps Syracuse Uh, with, with Kofi Colburn, you know, he's, he's a stud. He would have given Syracuse all sorts of problems, but um, yeah, it's the zone is looking like the zone again. Um, Buddy Beheim when he misses, you're surprised. Um, And it's, this is this is what Syracuse does and when they go on runs like this, you know, would you rather have 3 sweet sweet 16s in the last 5 NCAA tournaments or would you rather have, you know, 5 fewer losses in the regular season but an earlier exit in the tournament? You know, I I I think you'd take the NCAA tournament run every time.
2: Mike, do you get overjoyed with the fact when you look on social media and you see all of the hate for Syracuse and for Jim Boeheim? <laughs> And yet here they are again. Jim's too old. Jim needs to retire. Jim's not playing the right guys. Jim's cranky. Jim's salty. The team sucks. The team sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, they won again. And yet they got out rebounded. But somehow that stupid two, three zone, the zone, the zone, the zone. And they just get so angry about it. And I sit back and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Sucks to be you. Hughes is back in it again. I I admit it. I I mean, I don't know if, if it's a character flaw, but it's all right by me. How about you?
5: Yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's a couple of things there. So, first of all, um, the, the fake outrage when Syracuse made the tournament by some people, uh, they were projected in about 85 to 90% of brackets. Yep. It should not have been a surprise that they were in. Yep. But then there's going to be some people who are going to complain about it. Then they get to the tournament, and people complain about the zone. I remember having a back-and-forth with uh, Bomani Jones on Twitter several years ago because he created a T-shirt called Zonas for Cowards. And he said, you shouldn't play zone if you have equal or inferior ta- or superior talent, that you only do that if you're scared of the other team. And I said, Syracuse is as talented or more talented than about 90% of the teams they play, and they play zone. It's not because Jim Beheim is scared. It's not because the Syracuse players are scared. It's because it's effective. It works. Why would you not do something that works? In order to be, oh look, I'm macho tough guy because I play man. Who cares what you play? Your object is to win. They do something that helps them win. Um, So the the outrage of the zone about whatever it's a it's a dumb defense and all that stuff. Um, You know, I I find that kind of humorous. But you know, the main thing is, I think um, the saltiness with Jim Beheim. That's how he's always been. People need to stop being surprised by that. Honestly. Um, But the the thing with Beheim is. he's not going to do what all of the fans want him to do all the time. And, and I'll, I'll bring up the Jesse Edwards situation as an example of this. He has said all along, he's not ready. And he's clarified that to say that doesn't mean that he's not ready to be effective in certain situations. He's not ready to be a 25 to 30 minute, a game guy in every single game. And he specifically said, when teams put more shooters out on the floor, he's not as effective because he's got to chase players out to the wing, out to the corner and he can't get there at the same rate that a guy like Dolajai can. Part of that is quickness. Part of that is, um, you know, a feel a basketball IQ thing. Some of that is an experience thing. Um, but when you've got a team like in North Carolina, that's got two or three bigs that they throw up there, they've got a really big center that they throw up there. Jesse can go out there and play and, and have some success. And so the comments that, well, if Jesse Edwards had been playing all along, Syracuse would be a higher seed, and they'd have more wins, etc. The counter to that is, and we don't know whether this is true or not because we don't see practice. But this is what the Hall of Fame head coach says, and based on the results, you have to at least admit that this is a possible sol- or answer to the Jesse Edwards conundrum, so to speak. Is that he wor- They worked with Edwards behind the scenes. He has developed as the season's gone along, so he's. Bayheim has therefore played him more as he's improved and has earned the trust more and performed better in practice, and that they only put him out there in situations where he can be successful so as to not put him in bad situations where he's not going to be successful and that can hurt his confidence, his long term development, all of those things. So I have simply tried to suggest to people on Twitter that, again, they don't have all the information, we don't have all the information. Hall of Fame head coach does yes. that it's at least possible that he has done things that way where he's developed someone behind the scenes, put him out there in situations where he can be successful. And that's why when, when he has played, he has performed well. And so I always ask, do you think it's more likely that Beheim suddenly forgot how to put a winning team out on the floor? Didn't realize that this player could help him and didn't play him for a bunch of the season? Or do you think it's more likely that the Hall of Fame head coach knew what he was doing and put him out there at the right time?
3: Geez, I wonder, Mike. Um, So going back to the zone, um, San Diego State looked lost against the zone, and so did West Virginia for the first half. At least that's how I understood it. What did you see?
5: I did, and West Virginia made some, some shots late in that game and got themselves back in it. They couldn't solve the zone inside the arc. They made some shots outside of it, yep. but they were shooting in the, the low to mid 30s inside the arc. And that's because Syracuse's zone, as much flack as it gets, everyone thinks it's the same thing every game. It changes so much. And against San Diego State, they were so much more perimeter oriented. They forced San Diego State to take shots three and four steps behind the three point line. And against West Virginia, they really packed it in. Every time they tried to go into Culver, two or three guys ran over to trap him and make it difficult. He ended up two for nine as a guy who took all of his shots within a couple of feet of the basket. I mean that that tells you how much different um they they played the zone against West Virginia than they did against San Diego State. So yes, the zone was absolutely effective in both games. It caused turnovers, it forced bad shots. Um I understand West Virginia made some threes and they made some threes especially late to get themselves back in it when Syracuse looked like they had put it away. But um you know, it's it's doing what it what it does in March, which is um, befuddle teams that, that aren't used to it. And I got another one coming up on Saturday.
2: So I've highlighted some, not necessarily keys to the game, but some things to focus on, uh, some talking points, if you will, as we have Mike McAllister from Syracuse on SI here with us on the Sportsilla Show on ESPN Radio. We covered the zone, uh, but Marek playing the end of the game with four fouls, you know, uh, seeing Jesse Edwards beat... I like the toughness of some stitches still ready to go. JG3 and his first half, Buddy, and where he is now, especially all the work he's done with Devo and GMAC paying off. We've seen big shot Bob Braswell, who also has stepped in. And when we need defense, he's in the game and not Alan Griffin. However, we're going to need his offense at some point. Anything I said there you want to key on, something I missed, something you want to add in as we look forward to Houston on Saturday?
5: No, I think that's pretty accurate. And, and I think with with Griffin, that game might be on Saturday. Because, listen, Houston statistically is going to be the best defense that Syracuse has faced all season. They're number one in the country in points allowed. Or, I'm sorry, they're number two in the country mm-hmm. in points allowed per yep. game. They're number one in the country in field goal percentage defense. That... They are unbelievable in terms of their offensive rebounding percentage. This is a really, really good team from a lot of metric standpoints. Now, some of those numbers defensively are because they're playing in the American Athletic Conference and you got a lot of really bad teams in there. When they played better teams like the Texas Techs and the Memphises and and even Rutgers in, in their last tournament game, those teams have shot decent percentages against them but they counter that with having uh you know four or five guys that can really shoot the ball offensively this isn't a team that's got the six nine six ten six eleven 250 60 pound guys that are just going to beat you up inside they rebound off of energy and effort they're six eight, two thirty 220 6'8", 230 type of guys um you know guys that, that kind of look a little bit um physically like a quincy garrier you know they, they've got two or three of those guys that yeah really are, are the guys that go after it on the glass. So Syracuse has to match that intensity. And I think offensively, Houston's going to get in their face, much like West Virginia did. Hopefully the officiating is a little bit better in terms of calling those grabs and slaps and et cetera that go on all game, because you, you can't allow a team to do that to you. Um, it it just creates such such a disadvantage for the offense, and it's just, you know, it is what it is. But um, Houston's going to be very aggressive on on the defensive end. And I think you need a guy like Alan Griffin who can create his own shot, take guys off the dribble. I think this is a game where Kadari Richmond could, could have a big impact off the bench, getting into the lane and making plays. Um, But I watched Rutgers play against them and Rutgers got shots. They got some open looks. I, I watched Memphis play against them twice. Memphis got open looks against them. So I think they're a really good defensive team. I do think some of their numbers are a little bit inflated, but, um, you know, I think you were spot on. When they when they want defense, Braswell is going to be on, going to be on the floor. He's, he's been really good defensively, and I think Syracuse has a lot more length than Houston is used to seeing, so that's going to help him as well.
2: Well, you know what? Um, I keep hearing about these really good defenses so far, especially in the last four or five games, Syracuse has answered that. Listen, uh, we're running a little bit late. I've got 30 seconds left, Mike, but you are rewarded now with 30 seconds to vent about your Eagles and free agency. What do you got?
5: <laughs> well, when you put yourself in a bad salary cap situation, you know, how how are you going to go out and sign guys that can help you? It's it's kind of a situation they put themselves in. I think they have to build it back through the draft. Hope, hopefully they made the right decision at the quarterback position and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm skeptical. Uh, I do think that there's still talent on this team, uh, but the giants have definitely gotten a lot better in the off season. So, uh, you know, they got their work cut out for them and, and they're going to have to, um, I think, have a really, really good draft where they hit on three or four players um, at at a really high level.
2: Appreciate you, Mike McAllister with Syracuse on SI. We're going to have plenty of opportunities to have uh, more in-depth conversations about the NFC Least. Hopefully it's a better conference or a better division this year. Thanks, man. Have a great rest of your day. A beautiful Tuesday continues with the Sports Illustrated Show and ESPN Radio. And you're
0: killing me, Smalls is next the sportszilla show oh yeah bringing the central new york sports fan together you're supposed to wear your mask over your nose i'm not going to so quit asking can everyone hear me okay can everyone listen up you're killing me smalls it's the sportszilla show with rain and matt on twitch.tv slash q sports talk and espn radio
6: well for pete's sake here we
7: go again
2: you know, when there was one, and you heard something, you're like, "Okay, what's going on here?" I'm talking about Deshaun Watson, uh, but now that there's 13 lawsuits filed for sexual misconduct, uh, I'm I'm thinking that the majority of teams that might have involved been involved in trade speculation for
3: Deshaun are now hanging up on the Texans.
2: Are now saying maybe Deshaun needs to stay in Houston. Uh, cause who knows what the legal ramifications of this are going to be Correct. or are. But when there's 13 of them, one or two, okay, there's some plausible deniability. He, he said, she said, it's a terrible allegation, quite obviously. But the, the fact remains, I, I don't know how this plays out. None of us really do. But that's that's a, a slight distraction. And he's with the Mickey Mouse organization that he deserves, if he even deserves to be in the league. I mean, he can't, you can't play in the NFL with with this crap if it's true. But 13 times, a baker's dozen, there's a problem with Deshaun Watson off the field, obviously. This isn't, you know, some would want to go, oh, this is somebody looking for money in a lawsuit. And he came out and PR 101 got ahead of the story.
3: Yeah, after he came out and said what he said on social media, it's like, okay, maybe one case, it's someone looking for money. But now... 13, as you said, that's not looking for money.
2: The floodgates opened, and now you're sitting there with 13. And, yes, there is due process in America. I understand people are going to make that argument, but, wow. Uh, That's beyond smoke fire. You know what I'm saying? It's beyond that argument. And and I just got to say, man, I, I loved watching you play football. I'm sitting here a while ago going, oh, wow, Giants trade for them. Holy crap. Uh, The Jets, trade for him. If you're this team, trade for him. The Bears, go get him. Anybody that needed a quarterback. Now it's the last thing you want to do. If you had the assets to acquire him, it's almost a no-brainer. He's top five quarterback in the league. His number's backing up. Look what he did just this past year. You know, and he's not discussed amongst the very elite. Yes, amongst the best, but not the very elite. But he puts up unbelievable numbers. He's only 25 Even years old. Even with a old. bad team. But now there is baggage and issues and character. And we could go on, but we'll just leave the conversation there. So the Texans should have gotten what they uh, were
3: expecting from him a while
2: ago. Oh, my Lanta. But you get it. Uh, Deshaun Watson, come on, man. You're killing me, Smalls. Seriously. Uh, first of all, if this is true, you're disgusting, it's gross, you're a scum slime ball, and a horrible, horrible person treat women better. They don't deserve this.
5: You're killing me, Smalls.
2: Unbelievable. Let's come back with some sound check. Uh, there's a lot of audio from Jackson and James By- uh, James Beheim, Jim Beheim, Buddy Beheim. not only from the postgame after West Virginia, will visit a buddy's appearance on Freddie and Fitz last night. And uh, did you realize the gym was on with hashtag greenie? If not next on ESPN radio and the Sportsilla show, and then Jason Fitz at three fifteen on the phones.
0: It's the sports show with rain and Matt on ESPN radio and twitch.tv slash Q sports talk. Listen to this mic check. Okay, good. Here's your sports sound check. The fellas have jokes in uh, the comments
2: section of Q Sports Talk on twitch.tv. During the commercial breaks on radio, we love having conversations with you guys, uh, whether you're there all the time or you pop in for an occasional visit. Uh, a lot of you also been to ESPNSyracuse.com and the Brackets Challenge. The Bald Man is uh, number 15th in that right now, uh, far higher up in the rankings than the Glue Guy and Brent Axe. And I'm just saying, um, it doesn't mean anything.
3: Hey, you know, we took an anonymous uh It poll. feels really good, though. We took an anonymous poll about the least liked uh, ESPN <laughs> personality, and <laughs> imagine that. You were up there. What's up with that? Uh, geez, I don't know. Something about your bragging? You just literally made that up. Uh, no. You're lying. Mm-mm. Look at the Twitch camera,
2: Pinocchio. You made that up on the spot. That was no. not the Twitch poll.
3: No. And it's probably But true. It was an anonymous text poll. Uh, with who? Um, you don't need to know.
2: You're making it up. He, you're lying. Look at how red his face oh, is. Oh, man. And that's all right, even if it is true. We'll just do the best we can. Let's. How get... did
3: you fit your head inside the building today?
2: <laughs> it is a large cranium. Let's uh, let's get to sound check with Jackson and James Bayheim. That would be Buddy and Jim. Uh, Post game, I'll sprinkle in some of that, as promised some from Freddie and Fitz last night when Buddy made an appearance and Greeny, where Jim was a guest. Where, where would you like me to start? Start with the Greeny. Start with the Greeny. So, Jim on Greeny, he said, I, I like this uh, quote from Jim, coaching buddy is the hardest thing I've done. This is Jim Beheim on his son.
6: I haven't told anybody this, so it's kind of a national. For It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done, but it's the hardest thing because you can't think about he's my son. You have to think about he's my two-guard what what do we do with him? Is he got to come out of the game because he misses four or five straight shots? Interesting, huh?
3: Very interesting. And I'm not surprised, to be honest. No. I have to imagine that's very difficult to try to separate the two and then have to go home and deal with your wife. And maybe they're talking about Buddy as their son, not the player. So it's very difficult.
2: You would have to think, and if you've paid attention to the story and how Buddy ended up at Syracuse we're not going to get into that right now but you would have to think that they sat down as a family correct and and they discussed this and then it, the conversations have evolved over the years it's it's a tough situation to be in and this is also a major program nationally this is a, a program that gets attention constantly and it will when you have a hall of fame coach who is Uh, You can agree or disagree, but I'm going to make this statement, and I stand by it. He's in the Mount Rushmore of coaches. Some would want to disagree. I don't claim And
3: and even if you don't agree, longevity is what makes Coach Beheim so great as well.
2: He's also responsible for a little more than 100 teams having lost games than he's actually given credit for. And here he is again in the Sweet 16, 76 years old, 45 years in. Doubt him all you want. Question uh, decisions he makes as far as the rotation and players and some of the things that he says, but give credit where it's due. And I can't imagine being in his shoes and having to coach my son in, in, under these types of circumstances. It is absolutely not easy.
3: Because I, I bet it's pretty difficult to separate coach mode and father mode. And how do
2: you do that? And and Julie at home, go. I understand where Jim is coming from, but I'm also just Buddy's mom at the end of the day. So it it's a tough, tough situation. How many times during dinner does she have to say, come on, boys, stop? Anybody that wants to criticize from any aspect of this right now, they're in the Sweet 16. And over the last five games, Buddy is one of the main reasons. It's inarguable that he is, if not the best two-guard in the country, he's playing better than just about anybody on any team in this tournament, or at least he's right there in the conversation. Facts. Facts. Straight facts homie Jim was on Greeny, and he said in game, buddy is just a two guard. These are his words
1: during the game,
6: I just pretend he's a player. I honestly, I try to pretend he's my two guard, and let's see what you know what we can do. We obviously get him more shots now because he's making more. you know this year he started out shooting twenty five percent from the three, of the first fifteen games, and uh, you know a lot of people didn't like him in the lineup um. In, in especially in Syracuse, but you know he stuck with it. I mean, he's the hardest worker I've ever been around, and I've had some really hard workers. And you know, I'm just proud that he made himself into that. Not that he's necessarily a great player, which I think he's becoming, but I'm just so proud that he's made himself into this because
2: he just wanted it. Let me just let me just say this. As a father, every single father listening right now or across the country, when your son is realizing his dreams, who is on this stage and is performing at this level, you strip away the fact that you're his coach, let alone Hall of Fame coach, that you're Jim Bayheim and just as a dad, if you're not sitting back, I argue there is no dad that wouldn't be as proud as Jim is of his son under these circumstances. Especially during the game. I mean, come on. Kudos to you for being able to separate that. There's got to be, in Jim's head, some times when Buddy will hit a shot and he'll be like, yeah, that's my boy. And you know what? Good for him. Exactly. I hate to say it. No, I don't hate to say it. Good for him. I would be doing the same things. And yes, you then have to refocus on the fact that you're coaching a team and Right now, he has to just be a member of that team. It's great to see. I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this from so many aspects. And I'm happy that uh,
3: Coach was so honest about it.
2: Yeah, we're doing sound check here on the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Radio. And it's time to turn things over to Jackson Beheim. Buddy was on with Freddie and Fitz, who follow Jason Fitz, by the way, who will be on with us on the phones in, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 minutes. This is what Buddy said. Uh, when talking about coming to SU at first, saying it was kind of a shock. He had to, listen, he wasn't heavily recruited at first, uh, but this is Buddy's words.
1: Um, I'd say it was it was definitely an up and down process. i say uh, my junior year uh, playing in the EYBL circuit, I really blew up and had a great summer. And that's when coaches really started saying, you know, you need to go to Syracuse, you're dead. And tell my dad that they need he needs to take me and have him come play for him, and that meant everything to me. Just getting that recognition and getting that credibility, and that kind of took off for me. And and then coming in the freshman year, it was it was a, definitely a cultural culture shock, just being on the court playing in front of thirty thousand. And there were times where I definitely lost my confidence, just you know because you're playing for your dad, and then everyone's saying, "Oh, he's only here because his dad." And if I missed a couple shots one game, that's what they would say, and uh, if we were struggling as a team. They would, you know, put it on me, put it on my dad. So that was tough, but just always continuing to work hard. And I think this these last two years I've really grown up and just have continued to, to work and uh, it's paid off.
2: Jim has helped him as a father. Jim has helped him as a coach. Devo has helped him as a player. GMAC has helped him as a player. But he talked about the fact that G-Mac got in his ear in halftime of the West Virginia game, and then everybody was saying, even the analysts were saying, you know, you got to see Buddy's going to heat up, Buddy's going to heat up, and Buddy heated up. Joe Girard carried him through the first half. Buddy took care of it in the second half. You've heard Buddy talk about the fact that he reads this stuff on Twitter that people say about his dad, and you know what? That's my best friend. That's what he said. Loves his father, respects his father. It's a pretty unique situation, and for us as Syracuse fans – to be able to bear witness to this. It's it's unique, and it's special. And like I said, I'm enjoying every second of this. I want the team to succeed, but I enjoy seeing it for Buddy and for Jim.
3: And talking about Twitter, people, be nice on there. Yeah. Proof, These guys see it.
2: They're proving— e- Everyone sees it. They're proving the cynics and the critics wrong, and I hope they get through Houston on Saturday for my own personal reasons, but for them as well, so they can look back. And they'll never do this, because, you know, you can say what you want. The Bayhams are class. They can go, ha— Buddy Beheim on Freddie and Fitz here. Sound check on ESPN Radio and the SportsZilla Show. Said he surprises himself sometimes.
1: Uh, just uh, It starts with hard work. I mean, ever since I was a kid, uh, I've always worked the hardest and felt like I needed to work the hardest. I was never the best athlete, never the best player. I never started on my AAU team. And I just knew if I wanted to be a good player one day, I'd outwork everyone. And just over the years, I've had great mentors, great people in my corner working with me every day. And just continue to grow as a player. And I think my evolution has even surprised me a little bit. I never thought I would be uh, this type of player at this level. And it just shows what hard work can do for you. And having the right people there pushing you every day.
2: There's Buddy and Freddie and Fitz. We had Jim on Greeny. The last piece of sound today in Soundcheck is, and I promised I'd pull a little something from the postgame after West Virginia. But let me just let Jim make the final point. It's tough to make it this far.
6: These guys deserve all the credit in the world. I mean, they're a tough bunch and they've really, they've earned. It's hard to make the Sweet 16. Look around. Look at some of the teams that are out. It's really hard to, to get to the Sweet 16. When I started coaching, you know, we thought that was, you're supposed to do that. I think we went to 14 or 15 Sweet 16s and some of them, I don't even think we celebrated. Probably 10 of them. I don't even think we celebrate them. We just figured that's what we're supposed to do. But uh, it's very hard. There's so many good teams. You watch all these teams that are winning that are, nobody knows that much about. And it's not an accident. There's just a lot of really good coaches, there's a lot of really good players.
2: Ah, oh, Twitch should be fun. Let's get back in there. Q Sports Talk on twitch.tv. Quick pause on ESPN radio. And Jason Fitz will be on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line next. Can't wait to talk to him. We will get a Cuse, non-Homer, non-biased, non-orange Kool-Aid drink and take from Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio. Hang out.
0: It's the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt. Here's our take with Las Vegas Raiders fanboy, Fitzy, Jason Fitz. Well, you got
2: Sister Jean and Loyola, Chicago in there. old Roberts is still in the Sweet 16. Oh, and look, so is Syracuse. Uh, Jimmy Fallon uh, picking a pretty solid bracket. Buckets is doing work. Uh, that's Buddy Beheim. Buddy was on with Freddie and Fitz. Uh, I don't know if Jason Fitz heard that, we've discussed uh, them fighting over the nickname Fitz before. Uh, Jim was on with Greeny. I'm sure you're familiar with that interview. March Madness is upon us. They are isolated in... Uh, You know stale hotel air, and they're trying to bond, and they've got copies of John Thompson's book, and uh, they're just going to be sitting there. It is now time to welcome Jason Fitz with our take to the airwaves here on ESPN Radio with his Cuse non-Homer take. Yeah, we're pretty hyped, Jason. Uh, What do you have to say?
7: Yeah, I mean, you should be hyped, and you know the funny thing is, when we talked last week I said at the time, I thought West Virginia was going to give Syracuse everything they can handle. I thought West Virginia would win that game, and Boy, was I wrong. And and look, I think there's been a really strong point made by Seth Greenberg about Buddy, particularly, you know, needing a little time post COVID to get his legs back. And when you're a shooter the way he is, you gotta have your legs under you. And and, you know, to to his credit, coach has been saying that for a little while and now we've seen that come to fruition. And, you know, I know a lot of people are hot on Houston. I I mean, I watched a lot of Houston in the AAC this year. It was not it was not spectacular at times. Like I, there, there's no doubt to me that Syracuse can outshoot whatever Houston can throw in front of them. So even though Houston does actually show up and play a little bit of defense, which is rare sometimes in college basketball, that's a beatable team. So, I mean, if you're Syracuse right now, like this has got to be a very exciting moment when you realize that you're playing as well as you're playing, you've gotten hot at the right time, and your guys are shooting so well. You just wish that you had a game coming every day instead of having any break. I think, I think tired at this point over any chance to stop shooting so well.
2: Jason, I, I'm sure you probably follow Dickie V on Twitter. Dicky was going crazy during uh, the during Q's the games, but specifically the West Virginia game, and just watching Buddy light it up, and what he's done is remarkable. And he said, you know something? You've got NBA scouts paying attention to this kid. This kid is going pro now. With a modern NBA game, his ability to shoot, the fact that he's a hard worker, uh, the pedigree that he comes from with his dad, the basketball IQ, if you watch him and you've seen his game... Gi- a three-point specialist freshman year. Look at how his game has evolved. The credit and the deference he's paid to G. Mac and to Eric Dievendorf, to Devo, to get to where he is now.
3: And and one of the biggest question marks, if you're an NBA scout, is how can he run a man-to-man defense? Yeah,
2: that's the one thing he's played in this two-three. But like I said, that basketball IQ, he's smart in the modern game. Uh, his father being his best friend and pumping him up and and helping him get to this point. And he's confident now. Uh, Do you give any credence to what Dickie V said in that regard?
7: Yeah, a thousand percent. Look, and this is a shooter's league in the NBA, right? And it's not just that buddy's shooting so well. I mean, that's, that's awesome, but it's that everybody knows that he can shoot from anywhere and he's still finding a way to get get those shots. I mean, that's, uh, he's very smart, even when he doesn't have the ball, right? Like, so, as much as there are concerns about his ability to defend, let's be real, in the modern NBA, <laughs> that's, that's an afterthought, right? Yeah, so yeah. I don't think that's going to hurt him. He's put himself in a definite conversation at this point uh, to get the opportunity at the next level because realistically in today's NBA, if you can pull up and shoot from anywhere, you're already going to have value. If you can find a way to get a sliver of an opening, even when everybody knows it's coming and still hit that shot, that's a little bit different. And that's, the, uh, that's I think, the biggest credit a buddy, especially, I mean, you look at that West Virginia game, the number of times they were bringing people all the way out. They were trying to find some way to stop him from getting the ball and they couldn't. So his ability to work through work without the ball to get the ball and then get the shot up so cleanly is really spectacular. And that release is not only pretty to watch, but it's incredibly fast. So, you know, I got to give him a lot of credit. And uh, this is where we talk about intelligence all day long. Uh, Having basketball intelligence is really awesome. Having basketball intelligence combined with an incredible need in the NBA, which is the ability to shoot, that is where you get to money.
3: Jason, in your opinion, why is the zone so deadly against non-ACC teams, especially this year and pretty much any year? Um, I felt like San Diego State had no answer for the zone. And it looked like West Virginia didn't start having an answer until the second half.
7: Yeah, and that's a really great question. And sometimes it comes down to just, I know the oversimplification of what have you seen, that's part of it, but guys get really into the the scheme of the plays they run. And we talked to Jay Billis about this on Spain and Fitz a couple of nights ago, uh, just talking about why it's been so difficult and the advantage it gives. And he pointed out smartly that first and foremost for Syracuse, Uh, they come in with the zone defense that they're really comfortable with. And as a result, they don't have to prepare for as many plays. The specifics that Jay used that I think was so smart was talking at one point to uh, Coach Beheim about the fact that, you know, Michigan State has 60 plays that they run. Well, you don't have to prepare to defend 60 plays when you're in the zone that they run. It, It allows them to simplify what they need to coach the kids, which is helpful. But then on the other side of it, a lot of times college players get so beholden to the way this play is supposed to run and where the ball is supposed to go, that you get less into what you're seeing and more into muscle memory and movement. And that really trips people up. Like, you've got to genuinely think before you move the ball when you're playing against the defense you're not used to seeing. And that goes against the very nature of what we're trying to accomplish most of the time in basketball, where it's like, hey, don't think, just do. Well, you can't do that if you're playing a defense you're not used to playing. So I think it creates a level of Mm -hmm. hesitance that requires a little bit more mindset around it. And not every team is capable of slowing their process down enough to think.
2: And it's funny because Jim often talks about, you know, you've got all your analytics, everybody, but the game of basketball is simple. And on the flip side of that, offensively, Syracuse basically runs about five plays. That's it. He, mm-hmm. he lets his team play. Uh, Dick Vitale, uh, by the way, I wanted to give you those tweets. He said, and, and the comp he used was Duncan Robinson on the Heat, no substitute for guys who got shots. And his tweet was in reference to the San Diego State game, where he said, "Buddy Bayheim will be a pro." This is Jason Fitz, one half of Spain and Fitz on the Sports Illustrated show on ESPN Radio on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. All right, let's flip to basketball. We appreciate the non-Homer Hughes take that there you, you gave us, Jason. Uh, let's start with you. Want? Let's start with your Patriots.
3: Go ahead. Okay, so Jason, the Patriots spent like they've never spent before. In your opinion. Was it a good move? Did they spend the money on the right people? What's your take?
7: Yeah, you know, I think realistically, you know, I've said this a lot with the Patriots, you know, they were a restaurant that had the best chef in the world. So you can have lesser ingredients if you have the best chef in the world because he can mask them. They lost the best chef. They looked around and realized, hey, we got a lot of ingredients. We need to go to the store now. Maybe we need better ingredients. So that's what they did now. Did they overpay for some of those ingredients? Yeah, that's what free agency is all about. I mean, I know we'll get to the giant side of this in a second because of (laughs) Dory Jackson's payday. You know, but that's what you do in free agency. So you've got to make this decision whether are you going to go all in and overpay but you're going to make your team drastically better or are you going to stay true to your business plan and wait and see what happens over the next couple of years. And I just don't think the Patriots wanted to be patient through that and try and go through player development. Also, not masking the fact that they don't always dress uh, draft the best. So, for the Patriots, I think they did a really nice job. Their team is better today than it was a couple of weeks ago, and that's a big statement. They're going to be right back into the thick of contending. Did, did they sign some great deals? I don't think so, but I'll overpay to have a team get better drastically overnight.
3: So, are you scared of the two tight end set that's going to be reappearing this year
7: yeah I, I am actually i think that you know that's been a little undersold and i think it you know johnny smith is somebody that I, I i almost laugh it's like people just don't watch the titans so a lot of the conversation about his limitations i'm just sitting there saying what did you did you watch the games i mean uh, there there's an element of johnny that is incredibly explosive uh and obviously hunters the same way so they've given themselves the opportunity to really be multiple in their looks so they line up with two tight ends What are you going to do? You're going to stack and try and stop the run, especially if they are going with Cam as their quarterback, because you will have to look at the, if Cam is healthy, you're going to have to look at a quarterback that you also know can beat you on the ground. So if that's what they choose to do, then are you going to try and defend that? Because if you are, those tight ends are going to run right by you. So, man, it's going to create some matchups that I think are going to be very difficult. And by the way, the AFC East is going to be stinking good next year. The Bills are going to be good. The Dolphins look like they are absolutely trended in the right direction. And the Patriots got a lot better. So uh, they're all three creating matchup nightmares.
2: Um, you brought up the Giants. Uh, I'll give you just a th- couple of names, and I'm going to let you go off again. Jason Fitz is with us here on ESPN Radio. Galladay, they got uh, a number one wide wide receiver. If he's healthy, uh, he's going to do some damage. Dory Jackson, you just mentioned that. We, we were remarking earlier how stacked the Giants are in the secondary now. Uh, they've made some other moves though and it's really reshaped the Giants in the Joe Judge uh, he has reshaped this roster uh fitting players in the places he needs them to be a-, a really collective buy-in and a team atmosphere. They're hungry and they're good now.
3: And it's honestly Joe Judge's True first off season because of all the COVID stuff last year.
2: Yeah, he. he I mean, he, they've well, go, they've gone out and they've added to the tight end position because of Evan Engram's limitations. You got Saquon coming back. Uh, they got an edge rusher now. Depth at wide receiver, including that number one. Go ahead.
7: Yeah, I think the Giants made themselves drastically better this year. And and, and look, this is a couple of things. One, with the with the Gallaudet signing, uh, he has the ability to be a number one. Absolutely. But the other part of it is if you believe that your starting quarterback can take the next step, you have an obligation to get that quarterback as many weapons as possible to see what they're truly capable of exactly what Buffalo did with Josh Allen, right? Like you've got to go out at some point and say, Hey, we're going to give this guy every possible toy to play with, to see exactly who he is. That's what they're doing with Daniel Jones, which is smart football. Now you'll have the necessary components around him to be able to say, do we have the guy that we can build our franchise around for the next 10 years? So I love that portion of the move. Now, Adoree Jackson, uh, way too much money. Let's see how the money actually normalizes out. I have a sneaking suspicion that contract will look different when we get all the final details on it. But the biggest part about the Adoree Jackson signing is Logan Ryan to me because Logan Ryan is a no BS sort of guy that absolutely would not tell a friend to come play for Joe Judge if he didn't want to. And I've said it before. When I talked to, to Logan a couple of months ago, he said that Joe Judge is the type of guy that you can relate to as a man, not just as a football coach, and it matters. Aren't we seeing that? We're seeing players willing to go out and heavily recruit to bring someone to the Giants because they believe in the culture that Joe Judge has created. We don't see that necessarily with every team. You see a little bit of posturing. But to go as far as they went to go out and recruit a shows you that players are willing to put it on the line, put their names on the line to bring in talent. That speaks to what Joe Judge has done, and he deserves a ton of kudos for that. The, the Giants are going to be better. The Cowboys are going to be healthy, which I think makes them better. The, the Washington football team went out and got themselves at least a capable quarterback on a team with a good defense. I mean, that's another – other than the Eagles, who have a lot of unknowns, I think the NFC East is also not going to be a stock next year.
3: So, Jason, since we've been on the air, Marcus Mariota restructured his contract with your Vegas Raiders. We wanted to give you a little bit of a therapy session since last week all the offensive linemen got traded or released. Yeah, it was bad last week.
7: Go ahead. uh Oh, like my my favorite. Unlike your favorite football teams, my favorite team has gotten demonstrably worse. And there's just no like, and, and it's great because don't worry, they're going to give a backup quarterback three and a half million dollars still, <laughs> even though he's been sitting on the bench this long, and a backup running back fourteen million over the next two years. That's fine. It, it's it's totally good. But the the fact is, the three of us combined could go represent an entire portion of this Raiders offensive line. So yeah. you know they, they have taken a massive step back, and. The unfortunate thing about that is that Derek Carr is a quarterback that doesn't do well with pressure at his feet. Ever since he injured himself in 2016, he's a little skittish when he gets hit up front, and you know I don't blame him for that. But realistically, the organization has to know that. So they made their quarterback worse in the process of this. So even though they've had a couple of signings, I also like Yannick Ngakwe as a signing. Even though they've had a couple of good moments, man, I don't. I feel worse about the Raiders today than I did two weeks ago they went from an 8-8 eight and eight team last year to I think probably a 6-10 and 10 team this year and all of a sudden you're looking around saying what the heck are we building for
2: we got Jason Fitz here with us on ESPN radio I got about 60 seconds you know how that rolls uh when you're wrapping up with a guest so I wanted to just throw a bone to the Bills fans here Bills Mafia in central New York uh they seem to have uh stayed status quo in other words they kept the band together and they got a lot of the same Uh, same players on this roster as they did last year, but then they were 13 and three and you look where that took them some slight accentuation in in certain spots, but overall it's going to be good to be a bills fan next year.
7: Yeah. Congratulations, bills fans. You now know what it feels like to face an off season where you're a great team. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. The bills didn't need to be reinvented. Some tweaking sure is what we're always going to see, but this was the second-best team and, at times, the best team in the AFC last year. Yeah. And they're capable today of going on a neutral field and beating the Chiefs. So this is what happens when your team's really good. You don't have to make a ton of changes. So, heck, put your feet up, enjoy the beer, enjoy the ride. Good God.
2: Jason, as our man behind the scenes here at ESPN Radio in Central New York, uh, Jordan Capozzi, says, "Preach." That means we appreciate you. Preach. <laughs> Feel free to take that with you. Uh, we'll give all credit to him. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Have a great rest of your night. we we'll look forward to hearing you with Sarah later.
7: You guys have a great week. Thank
1: you.
2: Uh, worth a mention. Don't dwell on it. Little segment next on injuries in the NBA. And we have to bring Syracuse into the conversation. Fingers crossed. All next on ESPN Radio. <sighs>
0: Sticks, man. Let's get cracking, man, to the middle of the ring. Let's go. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio and Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Here's Rain and Matt. Couple things worth
2: a mention, but we won't dwell on them. We'll get through them rather quickly. Uh it seems like, and I want to start in the NBA. I want you to grab that list again. We had mentioned it a little bit earlier. There's a lot of injuries to a lot of key guys. LeBron, for example, but you would compile the list of about 10 names right now. Obviously, Clay Thompson was that one. We knew season ending with the Achilles, but go ahead.
3: So Steph, LeBron, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, who's having a birthday today. Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, LaMelo Ball with that wrist injury. Sounds like he just got surgery on it. Looks like things went successful. They're going to reevaluate, and maybe he had a chance to come back at the end of the season. Why are
2: the balls in so much trade
3: discussion? Um,
2: That's a good question. Have you noticed that? Uh, I have. It's it's crazy, some of these injuries, though, and it just seems like a lot of – it's top-heavy with a lot of big names uh, that could affect things. I I don't think that the Lakers – I I still think that the Lakers will be able, obviously, to make the playoffs – They'll get healthy in time with KD and LeBron. They'll make a run. Embiid hurts the 76ers. Steph hurts the Warriors and on and on and on. KD overall, the the Nets have gotten by. But is it just James? It's just James Harden right now. That's correct. So, and he's even got a little bit of a neck thing going on where they're speculating he might need a... game off that's because he's carrying the team Kyrie's the only one that this is not injury related this is just personal time off which he just had a couple weeks of that didn't he that's correct where it was a mental health thing what's
3: again I I honestly hope there is a family issue and I really hope it's not him taking three games off to enjoy his birthday
2: how much longer does he get away with Kyrie doing Kyrie things before As long as the team's winning, they don't care. I- exactly. But you know what? It's the reason that he basically uh, exited Boston. I think a lot of it had to do well, with it's the character. same reason
3: why he exited Cleveland. Absolutely. And he left Boston because he was scared that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were quickly becoming stars. KD and Harden remain in Brooklyn. Kyrie's the first one out of this
2: equation of the three Musketeers.
3: If I'm Steve Nash, I make sure it's that way.
2: Yeah, I would think so. I think that they can, listen, he's a spectacular basketball player, but but there's some other issues. I, I, injuries are, are bad and detrimental to a team's success. But then again, so is somebody in a locker room who you have to question if he's 100% invested in the team yep. and not himself. It's always a concern with Kyrie. You keep having the same conversation in every team that he plays in.
3: And talking about newsworthy, the Houston Rockets won a game for the first time in over a month yesterday.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Poor Steven Silas. 20 straight losses was the longest streak in franchise history. It is terrible there. That's why Oladipo probably wants out. I don't think he said anything publicly, but I don't think he minds a trade. I've actually heard Knicks' speculation there.
3: Uh, that would be a great move for the Knicks, to be honest with you. Uh, Thursday is the deadline, so we'll quickly find out.
2: Yeah, we're going to pay attention to that for sure. Uh, it's interesting. They are getting some reinforcements. Mitchell Robinson, Derek Rose came back. Emmanuel Cookley had to miss a game. He's back in it. I think Alfred Payton, a recurring hamstring issue for him. Maybe he's gone by Thursday. Yeah, maybe he's one of them for sure. Uh, but injuries being the topic in the NBA with, you know, basketball obviously being the game. It's a Sports Illustrated show on ESPN Radio with Rain and Matt. And listen, I, I am not saying this. Uh, let me just clarify. This is not a jinx thing. This is not... Uh, this is wishful thinking. This is knock on wood. This is so far. It seems if you want to look at the always on cues, Kadari seems to have worked himself through yep. his issues with the knee. It's it's a, it's a little bit of a lingering thing, but they're managing it. Uh, why are you talking about this? He's been playing well because you you have to keep your fingers. Uh, Candyman Quincy Garrier seems to be on the other side of that. I have a point to this because it's like I had said a little earlier that week off to just kind of practice and go through the motions prior to the ACC tournament. And then they bow out. Then another week basically before they play in the tournament. And now you've got a few more days Six off days in a row to take it easy. Coach Autry had even said uh, Monday yesterday, for example, was a late run through at practice, keeping guys healthy, getting treatment, not doing anything crazy. They're all isolated. So this is a good thing. And what I'm saying is, yeah, let's keep this run of good health going. Marek, ultimately no ill effects with the broken finger on the non-shooting hand. And, Je- and Jesse's injury, the cut to the face, is not going to be a problem moving forward. What I'm saying is, like you said, knock on wood. Right now, Syracuse is in a good place. A very winnable, yes, I hate to say it, a quote, winnable game. You even heard the non-Cuse homer take from Jason Fitz. I'm feeling real good about Saturday against
3: Houston. And I feel like you have to at this point. As Jason Fitz just said, he didn't expect them to move past West Virginia. He felt like West Virginia was going to dominate Syracuse, and that didn't happen.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm just saying that two weeks ago, we were
3: concerned about the health of a number of players, and it seemed like they all just happened at once. And not just health, but we were worried about this team. Yeah. We were going into the last week of the season going, okay, they need to beat North Carolina. They need to beat Clemson to even sniff the NCAA championship or tournament, rather. We're healthy.
2: We're in a good place. The team is playing well. They are together. Yep. Uh, extra bonding that they weren't able to do. Because of COVID. Because protocol. of COVID. You know, uh, was it a couple of the guys are saying, you just go to your room and, and you're in your room and you're doing your thing. This allows them to to really bond together and almost get to know each other a little bit better. They're going to play hard for each other. And it's just uh, something that I think is going to be instrumental to success moving forward, getting out of the Sweet 16, getting to the Elite Eight, and you know, winning it all because they're going to win it all. Hey, I picked them According in
3: my bracket, yes.
2: Which is number 15 overall in the bracket challenge with ESPN Syracuse. Appreciate everybody in Syracuse and Utica that keeps listening. Our last segment is called The Last Thing We'll Say Today. Uh, we'll go Utica, uh, Uticus there, and we'll talk Crunch and Comets and AHL, which is pause, except for uh, one game. Q's got one in against Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. We'll break it all
0: down next on ESPN Radio. The Sports Zelle Show with Rain and Matt. <laughs> can everyone hear me okay? Hey, hello. Oh, I can hear you. Oh, oh, okay, okay well, so we've made some amazing adjustments. And, okay. Here's the last thing we'll say today on ESPN Radio. ESPN and twitch.tv slash Q Sports uh,
2: One of the last things I want to say today is rest in peace to Elgin Baylor. I meant to, men- I meant to mention that earlier and did not. Uh, he is responsible for the High Flyers that you see one of the best to ever played the game of basketball period
3: 86 years old one of the greatest lakers in history inducted into the hall of fame in 1977
2: yep made a nice run as an executive with the clippers and beloved within the game rest in peace to the one and only elgin baylor
3: made a lot of celtics fans lose
2: their hair average 25 and 10 he was pretty good at basketball yes he was that's for sure uh, we appreciate everybody out there. 97.7, 100.1 Syracuse and Oswego to give a listen to ESPN Radio. Utica Rome is 96.5. G Sports Talk on Twitch.tv if you jump in that way. If you enable the ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Utica Rome skill on your Amazon Alexa device, we appreciate you listening there. Maybe you're streaming off the websites. Uh, and there's always the podcast. James Mitsubishi Sports Illustrated Show podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud. All your usual suspects uh, to be able to find that. Subscribe. Uh, give it a listen at your leisure on demand. I know that many of you do. Comets insider something Matt and I host weekly is also out there and available in all of those same places. Uh, you'll also find it in our timelines. I'm at ESPN rain at ESPN. You are Matt on Twitter. The station is at ESPN Syracuse or at ESPN. You are uh, that brings us uh, where we bring the central New York sports fan together with you to uh, And that's of course those empire recycling galaxy cup games. We're waiting for four out of 14, but that was paused So where it stands for the Comets, they're supposed to play Rochester uh, tomorrow due to an abundance of caution and clearly some issues. There had to be some positives with the Rochester Americans, with the Amherst. There had to be. Uh, But then you look at the Crunch on the flip side of that, supposed to play Rochester on Friday. I don't know if that's going to happen. There's obviously still a few days to clear that up. But the Comets and the Crunch are supposed to meet on Saturday. And it's as it stands right now, I don't see a problem getting to that game with these two teams keeping Rochester out of the mix. Uh, Syracuse did get a game in a couple of days ago. They beat Wilkes-Barre-Scranton 5-2, Scranton to two, and that looks like their opponent for tomorrow. Everything is, is still on. As of right now, yes. As of right now. So that's the update. We wanted to make sure we got that out there for everybody. Uh, But, boy, you're going to see when you start to get these games rescheduled that these two teams have missed. And seeing as how these three primarily play each other, the the bulk of the games, the massive majority of games in this bizarre 32-game season in the American Hockey League, well, it's going to get interesting.
3: As of right now, the AHL has postponed only two of these games for Mondays. So it's curious to see where they're going to plug the rest of these games in at some point during the schedule.
2: You know, we've talked about when you play a team, whether it's Syracuse playing Rochester or Utica playing Rochester, or whether it's the comments of the Crunch playing each other 14 times, man, when in a condensed season, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. And we're waiting for the chippiness, and it's also very easy to scout your opponent. Now you've compressed these games in even more. The season's over in May; it's a week from April. Correct. So they were already going to see each other a lot. Now there won't be as many days in between, perhaps. So it's going to get um, it's going to get interesting. Drop the gloves. It's there's going to be uh, there's going to be a few hockey fights, jerseys over heads. Uh, I, I can't wait I, for it. I love
3: it. seeing uh, good old-fashioned goalie fights, though.
2: Yeah, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but I, I definitely don't mind a, a hockey fight in a physical hockey game. So it'll be a lot of fun if you're a fan of the Crunch or the Comets or hockey in general or both. How about it, buddy? Ready for it? I am. Oh, man. We're going to be bouncing them all over, too, with baseball starting up in a week and... Syracuse in the tournament. and
3: The Masters is back next month. The Masters is the on NFL the way. NFL
2: draft. Just in, Julius Randle was fined $15,000 by the NBA for... The, wow, I'm shocked. <laughs> ...for criticizing the officials, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, in Sunday's loss to the 76ers. He's had a couple of really crappy calls against him. I'm not blaming officials for the Knicks losing. I'm just saying he's, he's on to something. Brent Axe is on the block at the top of the hour. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. It's ESPN Radio and the Sports Illustrated Show.